Hello, my name is Philip Miraton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Cancer will kill 600,000 people in the U.S. this year and 7 million worldwide. Every year in the U.S., there are 1.5 new cancer cases open. We are facing direct medical costs for cancer of something like $100 billion. The National Cancer Institute, over the last 40 years, when the war on cancer was originally declared, has spent something like $90 billion on research and treatment. There are some 260 nonprofit organizations in the U.S. that have dedicated themselves to cancer, more than the number established for heart disease, AIDS, Alzheimer's, and stroke combined. These 260 organizations have budgets that exceed $2.2 billion. We live in the most technologically advanced country in human history. And despite these efforts and the money spent, we are left to fight cancer with toxic chemicals, radiation, and surgery. On this show, we're going to talk about what cancer is, how the medical establishment treats this disease, and how the promising work of one cancer researcher, Mirko Beljansky, was suppressed for decades but is just coming to light today. Our guest today is Dr. Patricia Ross, the publisher and senior editor of Hugo House, which has just published a new book entitled Cancer's Cause, Cancer's Cure, written by Dr. Morton Walker. Welcome to the show, Patricia. Thank you, Philip. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I, this is such a big topic, <laughs> cancer. Every Everybody worries about it. We've all known people who've had it, who've been through mm-hmm. the treatment. And I think on this show, what I like to do is take a step back, look at the big picture, and then focus on what uh, Mr. Beljansky has done and mm-hmm. how we might reach a point where we're taking a broader view on the ways to approach this deadly disease. So mm-hmm. let's start off by just describing what exactly cancer is. So okay. what is cancer? Well, that's a, that's a really good question, Philip, because the first thing to understand about cancer is it's actually not a disease in the technical sense. A disease is something that attacks your body from the outside, like a virus or a bacteria. And it's something that can, um, that, that, like I said, it attacks your body and 
your body then has immune systems set up to fight it. Your immune system is set up to fight it. So you can give it antibiotics and that fights the infection. You know, if you want to go an alternative route, you can use probiotics and that populates your intestinal system with good bacteria. You know, this is just basic stuff, but it populates your bacteria, you know, your intestinal tract with good bacteria. You fight the infection, you're good. Cancer is actually a growth disorder. I met a gentleman up in Toronto a couple years ago who um, was, um, I don't know if he was the head of, but he was definitely a very high ranking person in, um, in the Calgary Instant Cancer Institute, whatever that was called. And we had this fabulous conversation about this. And that's what he said. Cancer is a growth disorder. So what happens is, is that you get cells in your body that go rogue. They don't die the way they're supposed to. And so the cells keep just keep replicating themselves over and over and over again. And so you get this explosion of cells that creates the tumor. It goes to another part of the body. So that that's called, that's the metastasization. When it metastasizes. So that means that the, the cells are growing out of control in all the different parts of the body. And eventually it takes over the functions of the body so that your body can't funk work. And that's what eventually kills the body. So in the normal human body, that does not have cancer. The mm -hmm. cells of the body, they they replace each other eventually, right? They, they mm -hmm. go through cycles? Yes, they go through cycles. And, and, and the cancer mm -hmm. is different because it doesn't go through the cycles. It, it's, no. It, right, it, and, and it's, no, it doesn't. It doesn't go through the cycle. The way that a cell works is that through some very complicated processes, which I can't, you know, I'm, I can't tell you all the intricacies of it because I'm not a microbiologist. Um, my, Mirko Beljansky was a microbiologist who trained at the Pasteur Institute and worked there for 20 years. So they under, he understood the intricacies of RNA and DNA and all that kind of stuff. But the simplicity of it is that the cell splits, you know, I mean, it's not the cell, the, the DNA first splits and that creates a chemical reaction with um, an enzyme that tells those two strands of the DNA that split to copy itself. As it, cop as it copies itself, then the cell does its thing, the cell splits, it closes up, and a cell does this about 80 times, they think. You know, that's what researchers have said. It does this about 80 times in its life, and then it's done, it's die. it dies. It's called apoptosis. So the cell dies, a new cell comes along, it does its little rotation for 80 times, and then it's done. But with cancer, and we can get into this in a little bit, Philip, but with the cancer, the carcinogen forces the strand of D of the DNA open, and I can explain a little bit more about that, like I said, forces the strand open, and so that enzyme that tells that strand to activate just keeps telling it to activate, and that's what it does, and so it replicates itself over and over and over again, but it's not closing up so that you don't have the cell copying itself and it doesn't die. It just keeps going out of control. That's why it's called a rogue cell. It's just out of control growth. So what is it about the cancer that leads to, let's say, death? What, what, what is it? Is it the fact that these cells do not die, do not go through their cycle and, and shut down other processes? What is it? Well, from what I understand, 
is that, and, and having watched um, a very dear friend of mine go through this, you could kind of watch the body do this. The, yes, the, the, the rogue cells take over the other healthy cells so that the other healthy cells can't do what they're supposed to do. So a tumor, for example, is numbers in the, who knows, billions, perhaps trillions, I don't know, lots of cells that have got, that are going through this rogue process of replicating itself over and over and over again. And so it builds up cells, cells, more cells, more cells, and that crowds out the healthy cells and it takes over the healthy cells. So I couldn't tell you if it actually crowds out or takes over, but eventually it does shut down those healthy cells. So like if you have cancer of the liver, and this is why liver cancer is, is so deadly is because your liver is constantly processing, um, it's constantly processing you know, toxins and stuff and it's getting them out of your body. But if the liver can't process the toxins because it's being overloaded with these rogue cells, then the toxins build up and your body shuts down. Okay. Okay, That's that's what I understand. Okay. So we know that, okay. So we know that cancer is a bad thing. And I think you've done a good job about describing it in pretty basic down to earth terms without getting into all the nitty gritty microbiological terms. But now let's move to what causes cancer? Because the book, the book that we're going to be sort of talking about, Cancer's mm-hmm. Cause, Cancer's Cure, in, in our modern medical uh, way of life, we, we know about certain things that causes cancer. What, what do you understand causes cancer? There are certain carcinogens that create these, this massive cell replication out of control replication. So those things that we've always heard of, like nicotine, chemicals, pesticides, hundreds if not thousands of carcinogens, these chemicals, literally, that cause the DNA strand to pull apart and cause that out-of-control replication. So when you're bombarding your body with too many pesticides from your foods, for example, and it gets it gets overloaded, then those chemicals start pulling apart the the, the DNA strands, and then you start getting the cancer. And so, you know, everything that you've heard about, you know, all those nasty chemicals, they all cause cancers. There are things that we don't necessarily know cause cancer, you know, yet because we can get into this because we do this in the book, talking about the kinds of tests and the tests that's used now to discover carcinogens is only about 30% effective. So there's, like I said, who knows what else is carcinogenic? It just seems, it just seems to me that in a very logical way, we're always looking for causes of things for Mm -hmm. the fix. And as long as the cause remains sort of open-ended, we're always going to have a hard time finding the cure. But one thing that you said, I think that is very helpful that that probably a lot of people don't uh, really uh, follow is that cancer, as you said, is a growth disorder of a rogue cell. It's not necessarily an infection. It's 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 not mm-hmm. an infection. It's not like a virus or something. Yeah, that, you can't take right? a, You can't take somebody to kill it. You can't take somebody. Sorry, you can't take something to kill it. Right. You actually have to kill the growth process of the cell. Right, which, which, which leads us to the next point, which is the way medical science 
typically addresses cancer in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And I think this is very important because this is one of the, the, the points I want to stress on this show, which is that despite the, our, all of our technological advances, the cure for cancer, and maybe cure isn't even the right word. Maybe maybe it's 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 the it's the way to stop the growth disorder. But, oh, that, that's but, a good point. That's a very very good point because yes, it's you're like you're right. Cure might not be the right thing because it's not a disease. We're not curing it. We're stopping the growth. Is the 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 way that our current medical science is treating cancer as of today? What are the leading methods being used out there? The leading methods, of course, are chemotherapy and radiation. Now, that's the broad view, okay? There's also becoming, um, the there's another integrative type of therapy that's becoming more prevalent from what I understand in, in various hospitals, but the, but the traditional way of handling cancer is chemo and radiation. Now, let's talk about chemotherapy for a minute because chemotherapy comes in all different kinds of forms. There's there's, you know, who knows how many types of drugs, but these are very powerful chemicals that are designed to kill cells. And so while they were able to, they, they can stop the cancer, the problem is, of course, is it kills all the healthy cells around it. It's, they're not selective and they're also high, they're very, very expensive, which we can get into in a little bit too, because you did bring up the whole problem of, of big pharma right? and, you know, the out of control costs involved around them. Now, cancer's big business, big, big, big business, big, well, huge well, business. Well, as you might but, expect, I, I do want to talk mm -hmm. about big pharma, but I think that I want to stress something you just said, and this is, this is something most people probably understand, including those that have been through cancer treatment and those who have known people that have been through cancer treatment but chemotherapy is not really a it's not a targeted treatment method for cancer as you said it is a it's it's a number of chemicals that kill cells and as my understanding is is that the theory is is because the cancer cells are multiplying faster than other cells cells it's it's going to be killing a greater proportion of cancer cells while it's killing every other cell in the mm -hmm. area so, exactly right, right. and so what happens when you um you're you know you're you ingest high doses of 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 chemotherapy of these chemicals your white blood cell count goes out the roof right your platelet count goes out the roof it's like because your body is trying to compensate for this because it's being attacked um what beljansky found was that chemotherapy is car it's in low doses it's carcinogenic now I'm, and i'm going to be very honest i don't know the difference between what makes it carcinogenic but at low doses and very toxic at high doses toxicity will kill you really fast car you know if it's carcinogenic it kills you a little bit more slow you know slower but the problem is is that you know, whatever chemotherapy, whatever chemicals you take, because what is it? Chemotherapy is literally a, a therapy of chemicals. Right. 
You know, it sounds really important, but, you know, you just break the word down. It's a therapy of chemicals, and you're yeah. taking this cocktail of chemicals. And some chemotherapy works on some cancers, and it doesn't work on other cancers. And sometimes it works on one kind of cancer, and then it doesn't work on that same kind of cancer in other bodies. It's not it's not a surefire thing, you know, because, because cancers are different and bodies are different. And, you know, and this is where you get into the kind of mind-body-spirit issue as well. But... To just go back to the simplicity of it, chemotherapy, you're right, it, it doesn't target just the rogue cells doing their thing. It kills everything. And so the hope is that you kill the cancer before it kills you, the patient, because it's going to kill all the other healthy cells too. Sorry. This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking with Dr. Patricia Ross about cancer's cause and cancer's cure now, getting to the second method preferred by medical science right now for treating cancer, which is radiation. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that radiation is similar to, to chemotherapy in the sense that it's not a silver bullet. No, it's not a silver bullet at all. And radiation, um, Dr. Walker um, was very outspoken. He's very outspoken about radiation. Um, because, you know, right when, when you go through the airport scanners, you go to the doctor and you get a, you get a CAT scan, you know, the pr proliferation of CAT scans so that the doctors can make sure that they're, that they're covered, you know, and all bases right. are covered and they don't get sued. And, and you go to the dentist and you get x-rays for your teeth. And so we're just bombarded with radiation. Radiation um, from, I don't understand it as well as the chemotherapy, but I do know that it does, it does alter the cells and it kills the cells. That's what it's designed to do. And so that's why sometimes when you have late stage cancer, you know, you hear about people taking both radiation and chemotherapy. I'm like, wow, what an amazing thing to do to your body. To me, what again is so compelling here is that Despite all the billions of dollars we've spent on research, and there's something like 1,600 cancer research centers in the U.S., we're left with what some people might view as pretty primitive forms of treatment. Now, on the good side, it's the best we can do, at mm -hmm. least at least some people think it's, it's the best we could do. And it, and And it's perhaps better than doing nothing, although maybe that's debatable. But And there's a lot of good people working uh, for a cancer cure, working in these cancer research centers. But clearly, mm -hmm. clearly, folks, I really think we need to make more progress uh, in cancer treatment. And we would start off with something that I do a lot on this show, which is we need to have a little, we need to open our minds to mm -hmm. other approaches. Now, this leads us to uh, Mr. Beljansky. And, mm -hmm. and we sort of have a battle here where we have somebody with a new approach, and then we have on the uh, sort of like in the opposite corner, we have what would be the big pharmaceutical companies. So, mm -hmm. so probably most people have never heard of Miracle Beljansky. And so why don't you give us a, a, a little short description of who he is and where he fits into our story here? Absolutely, Philip. And I do want to say, I want to come back to that point of why we stick to these primitive treatments of chemo. You know, like you said, you're there, they are somewhat primitive. I always reminds me of bones on Star Trek. We know it's like, oh my God, he would say, you know, that's so barbaric, yeah. um, you know, doing that to your body. Yeah, well, I think, future, um, I think future generations will look back and consider our cancer treatment something like bloodletting. 
Mm-hmm. That, that, yes, exactly. You know, yeah, just go get be, the leeches. I mean, we think we're so advanced, but we're, but in many when, but in many instances, and I think our, our approach to cancer is one of them. We're really pretty primitive, and mm-hmm. and it, which is in some ways shows we have a lot of room to grow. But anyways, you were talking. We do have time. a lot of room to grow, yeah. and this is where Beljansky comes in. And I think, and I want to preface this discussion of Beljansky with that with that point of, you know. When, you, when you're told you have cancer, it's darn scary. Right. And you think, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? There's all these things out there because, you know, there are ways to handle cancer that gets rid of it. I am no longer afraid of cancer because of, of working on editing this book, publishing this book, finding out, talking to the Biljansky Foundation as much as I have. It's because we've got ways to handle this. It's just that it's not acceptable yet. And there's a lot of reasons for why it's not acceptable. And that gets into the Beljansky story. So Mirko Beljansky, um, he was actually, he's, he was Serbian. Um, was born in this just, you know, back, you know, just very third world country type village. You know, to us, it would be, you know, no running water, no nothing. And he's highly intelligent wants to go to school so he you know he applies at his village and he gets accepted into this program this state program that sends him off to the big city and he lives with his aunt and they you know talk about how his um you know he has to go sell milk from the cow to make ends meet so he gets through school um he does very very well and eventually he gets accepted into the pastor institute now of course the pastor institute is the premier research institution arguably in the world I mean, this is where, this is Louis Pasteur, the guy who discovered pasteurization, you know, Um, that, you know, so that we're not dying from bacteria in our food anymore. And so this is, this is the institute that starts from him. And it's, and it is, again, it's one of the premier scientific research institutes in the world. So Beljansky works under, and I don't remember the director's name. But he works under one of the directors there who really took him under his wing and he saw how intelligent and how committed Beljansky was to his research. That's one of the things that differentiated Beljansky from some of the other guys at the Pasteur because in, you know, he's Serbian. He's focused. He wants to get the answer to things. He wasn't interested in the politics. He wasn't interested in the, you know, all the stuff that's going on around in the Institute. And, you know, and it's like, he just wants to find out what's, what's happening. And so, um, he gets his PhD and it's kind of the precursor to, you know, the studies of DNA. Cause around this time, um, that he gets his DNA, his, his PhD DNA, the, the double helix is discovered. Now, Remember, the double helix is the shape of DNA. And once we, once they figured that out, it was a huge scientific breakthrough. There were actually numbers of scientists working on them. And, of course, Marie Curie was one of them and dies of radiation poisoning because she was taking x-rays, lots and lots of x-rays right, of right. what Probably. was happening at the DNA level, right? Right, right. Probably the, well, the same same radiation that we use to kill cancer, but but mm-hmm. but but for yeah. those who don't, I mean, DNA is probably one of the most fascinating topics Ugh. in science, and clearly one of the two or three top topics in biology. And mm-hmm. for those, I mean, we hear about it a lot, but I think one of the amazing things about DNA mm-hmm. is that it seems 
so well designed. It it really is. It's a it's a it's like a rope ladder mm-hmm. with these chemicals, uh, which are sort of the steps. Yeah. The chemicals come in these four letters. Sort mm-hmm. of. They've been they've been they've been given these chemical names, mm-hmm. and the way the these chemicals are aligned on the DNA, they form a code. And That's right. It's 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 these alignments of DNA that some people would start calling genes, although it's debatable. It's there's a debate whether there is such a thing as a gene. But the point is, is that according to standard orthodoxy that you would that we would learn about in science classes, the DNA has is the code for protein or is the code for living things. And it really That's is right. an amazing thing. So most people would think a lot of people think, well, a disease is some kind of uh, disarrangement of the DNA. And and this leads us to, I think, Beljansky, right? I mean, I mean mm-hmm. Beljansky is taking a little different approach to what others were thinking might be the cause of cancer. So why don't you talk yes. a little bit about how okay. Beljansky shifted things a little bit in his understanding of the role of it- DNA? And this is hard. We need to without pictures, Philip. Right. <laughs> to right, be right. perfectly okay. well, that's honest, why, but that's why I always think of DNA as sort of a spiral staircase. Or a, that's or, it. Yes, you know, if you it's... think of it as a nice spiral staircase, and those ladders in the middle. So, Belzhansky's he's 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 researching DNA. When DNA, you know, this is new on the scene, and this is really important for what happens to him later, because in the middle of all of this is the intrigue of 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 what happens to Belzhansky at the end of his life. Um, when the French government comes in and swoops down and takes his laboratory and all this kind of stuff. With DNA, they recognize that it's this double helix, and you've got these rungs on the ladder. Well, there's a primary structure and a secondary structure of DNA. And the primary structure is all the genetic coding, like, you know, what are all the codes and how they all work together. And that's where people normally think of where cancer is happening because they recognize that something's happening in the DNA. And they think that it's in the genetics of it. So you get mutations. You know, have you taught, you know, have you ever heard that? You know, right. you get cancerous mutations. It's a mutation of the cell. Well, yeah, because the cell's growing out of control. So it looks like a mutation. Right. But what Beljansky discovered was that it is in fact in the very, it's with the secondary structure and the secondary structure is simply the structure of the replication and how the replication happens. So you've got your two intertwined ribbons. So they come around and you get the the ladders of the rungs. And on those ladders of the rungs, there's always going to be either one of four chemicals, the thymine, adenine, cysticine, and guanine. Good. You can look this Very up on good. the web. Got to memorize. That was good. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, that's when you do this book enough, right? Yeah. You get, and it was really interesting to me to find this out. Well, what happens is, and this goes back to the car, this carcinogenic stuff, this carcinogens. Right. So in normal replication process, the, those, those rungs of that ladder get cut in half. Because of those four chemicals, there's always two. And they're always paired together. There's always um, guanine with cyanine, um, adenine with thymine. Um, and so but they, they, could go, they could go either way. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of like a computer code, you know, right. a, you know like with zeros and ones, right? But there's four. And so these guys, so don't worry about how the chemicals lay out. Just know that there's two, two of them on this rung. Well, in the split, so the so genetic code says split down the middle, and it splits down the middle, and that's when this 
enzyme comes in and, and it's an enzyme is a chemical that just says, ooh, we're going to make you replicate. We're going to make you copy over and over. You know, we're going to make right. you copy. And then you make a new strand of the DNA exactly like the the first strand with all the T's and the G's and all the A's and the C's all getting ready to line up. And then they come back together and there you have your new cell. Right. So mutations happen when you don't get your coding quite right. And so most of the time our bodies can handle the mutations, but when they get out of control, it does cause some cancers. That is true. But what Beljansky found was that cancer is actually just that simplicity of the, car the carcinogen pulls apart the DNA prematurely. And once it's pulled apart, then that enzyme that tells the strands to duplicate just is in there making them duplicate over and over and over again. Our body is doing exactly what it was designed to do, except that you have this foreign substance, a carcinogen, a nasty chemical, radiation, um, you know, like your radiation in milk. Um, and it comes in and it pulls apart that DNA. So this is what this is the difference that Beljansky found, that it's not in the whole genetic part, which is really complex right. it's actually in this more simplistic side of this of the secondary and there's still a lot of complexity to it but it's in this secondary structure of, of literally the physical breaking of the bonds so that the strands can duplicate right and and to be and to be clear here if it's possible to be clear on this <laughs> the <laughs> like i said without pictures well, right? well you think about spelling a word and everybody mm -hmm. you know knows how to spell the word one O-N-E. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have some kind of process that is meant to spell the word one and there's a mutation and the letters are misaligned, then the wrong word comes out. And mm -hmm. that, in the language of DNA, that might be viewed as a mutation. Okay, mm -hmm. But what Beljansky is saying, from what I understand, is that it really isn't, that's not really the problem. The problem is, is, there, this, is that there's something that gets into the DNA that messes up the copying process or, mm -hmm. or, or causes it to copy sort of out of sequence. Right? Yes, well, and actually not even out of sequence, but out of control. Right. Okay. It just copies itself out of control because those carcinogenic chemicals come in, force the, the bonds in the middle of the DNA, of the DNA strong, the, rank, the rungs of the ladder, forces them to go open and then they're opened up and then the enzyme that tell that, that that our bodies naturally have comes in and says duplicate 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 right. and it does this out of control it's just it's crazy right. and so that's in the, and that's that's a big difference big difference this is Philip Mirton this is conversations beyond science and religion we're talking about potentially finding a different cause of cancer which, of course, may lead us to find a different cure for cancer. We're speaking with Dr. Patricia Ross about this very fascinating topic. Now, we're just, we've just talked a little bit about how Beljansky, the Serbian-born microbiologist, mm -hmm. came up with a different way to describe this cause of cancer. And, it, and he really is going towards sort of the out-of-control copying or duplication mm -hmm. of, of DNA as opposed to some misalignment of the codes or some kind of mutation, mm -hmm. right? Which, which sounds to yes. me like that aligns with what you said earlier about cancer being a growth disorder. Mm -hmm. 
And so Beljansky comes in, and this is what's important about Beljansky's work, and when you start talking about remedies that handle cancer, the way he discovered this, Philip, was fascinating. He developed a test to see, he kind of did it backwards. He wanted to see what was going on with the DNA to, you know, what was, what was carcinogenic. He wanted to see what was actually causing cancer. So he found the carcinogens first in this, is this onco test that he called it. And it's actually somewhat complex. And I think we could spend another 15 minutes of our time talking about it, but it's, it's clearly, it's clearly described in the book, Cancer's Cause, Cancer's Cure. Um, but what he did then was he said, hmm, if I can figure out what's carcinogenic and what's making the cells pull apart, I wonder if I could find a substance to actually reverse the process or even, you know, kill the, kill the cells. And so that's what he did. He applied that same oncotest to find the, the thing that will handle it. You know, like you said, I don't think cure is the right word. It's just what's going to handle this? What's going to kill those cells? But what he wanted to do is he wanted to find a substance that would do it selectively so that only those cells that were replicating out of control would be affected by this this chemical that he found, whatever that was. So he went searching. Right, and that is really what I think as laymen we think medical science does and is supposed to do. That's what we hope they do. We hope that it's sort of like taking your car that's low on oil and we know that the mechanic is going to pour more oil or change the oil. We want a silver bullet for everything. Right? We that's want, right. We want a cure. We want a targeted pill, a, mm-hmm. an injection, maybe even surgery that gets rid of it. And the problem with cancer, as we've said earlier, is that right now we have a shotgun approach to something that takes a laser beam. And so mm-hmm. what you're saying is that Beljansky well, is, had an idea for a targeted approach. That's right. Right. Okay. So what and a laser that? beam is a really nice way to put it. You know, and how do we do this? And so how do we, you know, and, you know, he was brilliant, and he was. He was this brilliant researcher. He was very methodical about his work. Again, he didn't pay any attention. I mean, he was, in fact, it, it was the thing that finally did him in at the Pasteur Institute, that he really didn't pay attention to the politics of it. He just wanted to find out what was going on. And so, um, and you know, and as you, you know, in the 50s is when you start seeing a proliferation of cancer, if you think about it, because that's when you start seeing all the pesticides and herbicides and our food is beginning to change. You know, the way that our food is grown is beginning to change. And then also the way that it comes to the supermarket shelf. Think about this in the 50s and 60s, because this is when he was starting starting to do this research, was in the 50s and 60s, and he, then he continues it through um, through the through the late 80s. I mean, I know you're just about to get there, so but I'm sure a lot of people are, are wondering, okay, so he's getting to the point where he, he thinks he has found a, the real way that cancer is caused, which is this mm-hmm. out of control copying of the DNA strands during uh, replication. And then he is, is researching to find uh, what we would view as a silver bullet for the cure. Mm-hmm. What, what is that silver bullet? Well, there's two. And by the way, what, what he discovered, just so we can have a name for it, that thing that happens with DNA in the presence of a carcinogen is called destabilization. Because it's literally the, the DNA, which is a very, very stable structure. I mean, this thing is like, 
correct. It doesn't. It, it's yeah. hard to mess up right. a DNA strand, but it gets destabilized, which means it can be pulled apart and it can do all of these things. And so he he develops his onco test, and then he applies his onco test to um, finding out what's what could he what substances would do this and so he eventually found two one is called palpyaria which is a amazon tree it's this massive spruce like tree i guess and it's the bark of that tree and it has so the one was palpyaria and um the other is um and there's these two alkaloids that he found that and you know you start getting in all these scientific names and it gets very confusing but an alkaloid is just simply a substance in a plant cell and that was the substance that was able to selectively target the cells and he found another one and it's just just he's sort of like ugh, what a horrible name but it's called um raulfia vomitoria wow and that's something, but it's an African, I guess it's a, it's an African bush plant. And these they're both rainforest plants because the rainforest is, of course, rich in all these amazing plants that have medicinal value to them. You know, this is, again, this is where science, this is where medical science has gotten a lot of its, a lot of its, you know, its cures for various uh, diseases, for yeah. various, you know, invaders of the body. Yeah, but we also happen yeah. to find this one as well. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, I guess I have two things to say. Number one, can we kindly call that second bark RV? Or some yes, other, we can because it's a horrible yeah, name, don't, isn't it? Don't ask me to say that one. And number two, <laughs> it, it really is amazing how many quote-unquote medical cures come from exotic plants, barks, sure. insects, dirt whatever but so the fact that he discovered this in in rainforest is perhaps not unusual in the full range of of medical history but okay so he's found these two treatments and then mm -hmm. what happens well then being the researcher that he was he started testing it in mice he started well there's no he didn't start testing it in mice first there's actually a series of tests that researchers go through and one is in vitro which is in test tubes and so he would take cancerous cells um and he would inject you know live cancer cells that are doing their out of control thing and he would inject the the palpyaria substance the extract from this because it's like you can't just take the bark it's actually a, a proprietary extract that um that he developed and so he injected the whatever the extract was and he found out and then he saw the ones you know what was the, the right extract to kill the cells in vitro in test tube and he did this with both the rv aurelophia that's what we call it our aurelophia or the palpyaria and so or the pow and so you've got both of these substances and he started testing it on various kinds of cancer cells so liver cell liver cancer cells brain cancer cells brain cancer actually has a very interesting problem there's something called the blood brain barrier and to order to protect your brain you have this barrier that keeps things out of it it's the blood you know blood has to do something with it and so one of the substances he found could penetrate the blood brain barrier and the other one couldn't and so and that was very important so that some of you can actually take this for spinal cancers brain cancers um you can take both of them together for breast cancer uterine cancer testicular cancer prostate cancer there's been massive studies done on prostate cancer hmm. and the palpyary and the r vomitoria um and so um he and like i said being good research then he goes to the mice 
and he figures out what's happening in the mice and what what's effective and what's not effective. And the thing that blew me away, Philip, because I wanted to make sure that I absolutely said this, was towards the end of his life, he was, because he was a medical, he was a scientist. He wanted to help medical science. He says, hmm, what would happen if I applied radiation and chemotherapy and my two substances? And he actually found in studies in mice that coupled with low doses, not high doses, because remember high doses is toxic. That's going to kill all your cells and then the, the, this, this, you know, his stuff doesn't work. Right. But in low doses of chemotherapy and radiation, he found that the palpire and the avromatoria was far more effective. Sometimes mm. it had like a 99.9% .9 effective rate in, in vitro, in meaning the te in the test tubes. And then he was starting to do the, the studies on mice. Just so you can keep the flow of things, what scientists do after they find that something is effective in studies on mice is that's when they go to clinical trials in humans. And so then the clinic, he never got to do the clinical trials, but clinical trials have since been done for um, both prostate cancer and um, I believe uterine cancer, either that or cervical cancer. The, the prostate cancer study was done at Columbia and then University of Kansas did one on either the uterine or the cervical cancer. Okay, but so, anyway, so okay, there so you go. How, so how much, so what kind of, of proof is there that these methods work? scientific proof okay it's what what country um and okay here's the oh question. i know okay got it here's here's why isn't this more well known in the u.s oh well enter in the fda the food food and drug administration and big pharma okay so here's that kind of, it's a very it's a, it's a story of deep intrigue with Mirko Biljansky. So Mirko Biljansky is, is discovering this all in France. People are finding him sort of by word of mouth. He um, is asked to leave the Pasteur Institute because the, the director of the Pasteur Institute, who won a, a Nobel Prize for DNA, his research in DNA, had basically said DNA is king and, and you know, and every, anything else, you know, is very secondary to DNA. And Biljansky's saying, well, no, I'm finding that RNA is just as important in DNA. So there's this huge problem going on. So Biljansky gets kicked out. And, um, and I'm, I will get to the story because it's like you said, you have to understand kind of the whole point of this, right? The, or the whole trajectory of it. So Biljansky gets kicked out. He gets hired by the French government to um, do studies and work on radiation, which he did find a remedy that does help um, alleviate this, um, the effects of radiation with the golden leaf ginkgo plant. That's in the book, too. Fascinating stuff. And then eventually he does go into DNA and cancer and all of this. Well, eventually, Francois Mitterrand, who is the president, longtime president of France, very well loved, contracts or develops so she really doesn't contract but you develop he developed prostate cancer it was very bad it eventually killed him but someone through a series of events turns him on to the Belgiansky remedies the Belgian you're not you know remedies isn't really even right because it's like you can't really say that the FDA makes sure that you don't say that so it's the it's the the the, the herbal you know these herbal concoctions that he right. was making right. and Mitterrand stays alive through his second term he makes it through his second term well because of this the the french the french pharmaceutical companies were already on to belgiansky 
um, the book starts with this amazing story about a guy who was hired. He was he was working for a political magazine in France. Gets hired by his uh, his VP friend of a major France France French pharmaceutical to go and get the dirt on Beljansky because he's like you know people are saying he's he's curing cancer. He's doing this. He's doing that. We can't have this. He's yeah. taking away our profits. Right. And that's really the trick. And so this guy goes and he tries to find something, some, some dirt on Beljansky. And all he's finding is, is that people are getting cured. He eventually contracts cancer, takes the Beljansky stuff, gets cured of cancer. It's like, well, he's not cured, but it's like his cancer goes away. And so he becomes a huge proponent of Beljansky. So that leads to why is it not well known in the U.S.? Well, what happens was, for, what happened was Mitterrand stops taking the, the stuff dies the french government swoops down on the beljansky laboratory he's not he's old he's you know in his late 80s um and it just it just devastates him they they take all of his research all of the the remedies he himself contracts a form of lymphoma which his daughter is very clear and says you know he may or may not have been able to handle it because of his age but he was not able to take any of his any of his botanicals and he passes away and so the, then Sylvie Biljansky, his daughter, and his wife, Monique, decide to come to the United States to bring this to the States. Now, this is in the 90s because in France, he would, and, and before this happened, I forgot the one important point of this, before the French government comes and swoops in, literally in, in, in SWAT team type things, I mean, it was horrible, um, he was very, very close you know, this close, put your two little, put your fingers up and, you know, put a little space between them. He was that close to getting the French equivalent of FDA approval. This is Philip Mirton. Mm -hmm. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking with Dr. Patricia Ross about how it looks as if certain big pharmaceutical companies have stood in the way of a potential new approach to addressing cancer. And mm -hmm. we're, we're on, we're just at the point here in the story where Mr. Bojanski is, is, has died and his wife and his daughter are, pr are trying to um, bring his discoveries to light. And here we yes. are, and, and here we are in the U.S. And so what, what is the status right now of Beljansky's cures or treatments in the U.S.? Well, they're not called cures, and they're certainly not called treatments because that you would incur the wrath of the of the FDA. Right. They are natural botanicals okay. that you can find on a website called natural-source.com. That's the Beljansky website, and that's where and, and they they created two sites. There's the Beljansky Foundation, where you can go learn about Beljansky's. Um, you know, what, what happened to him. You can read these amazing success stories. Philip, the thing that intrigued me when I first found out about this, about Beljansky, was that people who had six months to live, three months to live, they take his stuff and they're alive 25 years later. Right. I'm like, there's something to this, right. right? And I'm very much a proponent of natural healing, of alternative methods of healing. And so um, I believe in the power of herbs and, um, that so that was very intriguing to me and so what happens then and so the status now is they are they are considered botanicals herbs they're not you know so there you won't find anything on the site that says these cure cancer because they can't say that if they did the the, the fda would come in and shut them down and so that's what we just don't say but do they handle cancer i've seen it 
and actually I had a, I had some melanoma. Um, it was, it was probably not the nasty melanoma, but I had, I had a little cancer doohickey on my cheek. I took one round of the, um, of both the palpire and the arvomatoria and it just went away. It's no. just like that. But here's what the is... deal about cancer. And so okay. this is, I'm going to, I'm going to finish up about the yeah. FDA because. Well, I was, it... was going to ask you about why, I mean, it's sort of a, obvious question but why is the fda opposed to this approach to cancer money philip good old green stuff like i said cancer is big business how many millions billions of dollars are put into cancer research every year um you know some people even believe that the powers that be do not want to find a cure for cancer. There's too much money in the cancer research. There's too much money in, you know, in, in the pharmaceuticals putting forth their very toxic, very dangerous, deadly drugs to cure, quote unquote, cancer, when in fact there are natural remedies out there that do the job already. But it's money because the FDA cannot regulate and pharmaceuticals cannot, they can't extract that one chemical and reproduce it artificially and create a drug because that's what the pharmaceuticals do. They take the natural substance, they figure out how to, to um, create an uh, a synthetic alternative, basically, a synthetic copy of that. And that's what they put forth as the, as the drug because you can patent that. You can make money on that. You can't patent a natural a natural remedy. You can't you can't say this is mine. You know you can't patent the herb. Now Beljansky's the 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 process by which he um, by which the pro, the 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 Palpier and the Arvamatoria go through is proprietary. They do own they do own. I don't know if they own the patent on that. I don't know. Don't quote me. You know so don't quote me specifically on that. But I know that that is proprietary because it was you know it was scientifically developed. But like you said, big pharma big pharma they can't make any money on herbs. Well, this you know? this is something that I I think is important here. Mm -hmm. Because we tend, as a society, we tend to think that scientists are these neutral, purely objective saints. That they're <gasps> only they're only interested in the truth, and in and in finding solutions to problems. In science, in physics, right now, for example, mm -hmm. we have a large group of of researchers who are invested in string theory, which we talked about in this show a lot. Mm -hmm. And the point there is that unless you are a string theorist, it's awfully hard to make it in the physics community because it's the popular thing to do. When you move to medical science, you know, there's that thing called the Hippocratic Oath, where, where you know, it's something like, uh, thou shalt not do any harm to people. You know, it's, it's something like that. But And mm -hmm. we tend to think that medical doctors and the medical profession itself is some kind of purist society where they're only looking out for the health of the patient. And I have to say there's a lot of truth to that. On the other hand, uh, it, it's amazing to hear a story like this where where there is documented proof that a less toxic, a less invasive, a less dangerous form of of cancer uh, treatment 
is available and yet because of the power of certain people certain companies that openness has been thwarted and I think that where I come down on this is that the proof needs to be in the pudding and that is if If the science shows something works, then it should be approved. We we know there's something called uh, pharmacological drugs, and what it what it really is is it's 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 along the lines of that if a chemical is shown to have a proven effect on the body, then it's then that's sort of a pharmacological drug. But there we know there's many treatments that do not work in that linear fashion uh-huh. the there's there's very like holistic the whole area of holistic treatment um, right. homeopathy uh, the placebo effect there's all sorts of ways that people get healed without this one-to-one correlation between a chemical such as chemotherapy and the illness uh-huh. and I think that what this story tells us is that we need to break down some barriers with the way drugs are are uh, evaluated and approved in this country if nothing else shows like this in books like dr uh, walker's uh, sort of open a little part of the door to maybe allowing more people to try these drugs because ultimately patricia if they work uh you know they're going to be successful i mean i would much prefer to experiment with these drugs than experiment with chemotherapy myself mm-hmm. so. because these aren't as toxic right right exactly exactly they're not as toxic they're just not as toxic i've long after doing this book philip i said if i if 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 someone that i love or if i can if i am diagnosed with cancer i will immediately seek low dose treatments of chemotherapy and take you know, and take the proper amounts because these, interestingly enough, just like with many other herb, you know, herbal remedies, you know, more isn't necessarily better. Right. You know, there's, there's, there, you know, the, the studies that were done in Colombia showed kind of a maximum amount of effectiveness. And after that, it became less effective, you know. So working with doctors who are willing to do this, and they are out there, there are doctors who care that when you said, you know, when you said, oh, you know, the, you know, why in, in the, in the best of all possible worlds, our doctors are doing just the best for us. But, you know, doctors are people too, and they do get um, distracted by, lots of money and shiny objects and it, it, and it really, and when the and the yeah. pharmaceuticals pay them to do their drug therapies and actively and this is the other thing is that they actively seek to to hurt the reputation and hurt not just the reputation but the science of something like Beljansky's remedies and there's even one more point to this Philip is that um we were when we first got into this project we we're like well you know, here it's, the, the research has already been done in France. Oh no, that doesn't count at the Pasteur Institute, and it is you know in yeah. his laboratories. Oh no, that doesn't count. You have to actually have the studies done here in the United States for yeah. it to be, you know, for people to pay attention. Like, yeah, I really? don't really think, and I I don't I don't really think the source of the problem is with the individual doctors because no. I have a lot of respect for the medical profession. It it I, and I hate to use the the word but it's really the system it's the it's the sure it's the culture it's the infrastructure where you where where it's in some ways it's a kangaroo court where the the 
the people giving the approvals and giving the degrees and the funding are this are the ones that follow a certain model mm-hmm. and that model in my mind i would call it the body as machine model also known as materialism where they follow a model and if you don't follow that model then you're not in the group and therefore you're you're called that ugly word a quack because i exactly. i think that a lot of people would 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 call this quackery uh, and and I think that what I'm seeing out there is less and less people are really uh, deferring or really giving a lot of weight to this accusation of quackery because you know what at the end of the day if it works it's and it's less toxic you could call it whatever you want at some at some point in time the tables may be reversed well and think about this is cancers proliferate because we are bombarded with more and more chemicals and more and more radiation and and you know and we eat crappy food processed food food with all those food colorings in it you know that's another one you know good old fdnc yellow and red and all those um as as you see a, a proliferation in cancer and people learning about alternative methods of healing you're going to see an outcry and you already have there are studies being done on something called integrative therapies that take traditional therapies like um, cancer, I mean like chemotherapy and radiation and, you know, and find, you know, do acupuncture and all these other stuff. But Beljansky stuff is like, it's almost like it works. And because it works, it's too scary. So what's the easiest thing to do if you have a vested interest, Philip, in making sure that your drug gets on the market and makes all the money And this other guy out here has all the right scientific backing, has done all of the studies that needs to, but it's like you said, it's not the accepted theory. It's not medicine, quote unquote. Then you can just simply call it a quack and believe that everybody's going to follow that. But I think that people are getting smarter and they're not following that paradigm anymore. They're saying, no, I want to go out and find out what I can about cancer because I don't want to do that to my body. I don't want to bombard it with chemotherapy. I want to find out if there's, you know, something else out there that will help me get rid of this thing that's in, you know, that's making my cells grow out of control. And so you have to do you got to do some tough stuff. You got to get you got to get your body cleansed. You got to do those things to get your cells healthy. Right. And then um so that something like the Beljansky the Beljansky botanicals will be even more effective. I mean it takes work to do it. Like you said we all look for that silver bullet. We want the magic pill. We want we want to take it. You know, we have depression. Oh, let's just take a pill. It doesn't matter that those pills make you more depressed. They even make you suicidal. Right. Well, you know? well, at the you know, at the end at the end of the day, uh, I'm just I'm just hoping that we will be able to break through the this barrier that we have in a governmental level mm-hmm. and start being more open-minded about the way we approach diseases. There is something in this country called a health care crisis, and this is all connected folks, because there is a relationship between medical costs and the control that certain big pharmaceutical companies have on medicine. I am not a conspiracy theorist. 
On the other hand, it's pretty obvious when you look at exposés such as was recently in Time magazine with all the wasted costs, all the wasted effort, and the uh, treatments that don't work, treatments that are worse than a disease, we really need to be more open-minded, in my opinion. We really need to be more open-minded about the medical treatment that we use to deal with these deadly diseases such as cancer. I do, I do think there is hope. I think the Beljansky approach is worth looking at. Uh, Patricia, I appreciate your time. Mm -hmm. It's been a very, uh, I think, mind-opening show on what cancer really is and a different way to approach it. So maybe uh, you might want to say something about those who, I, I think you mentioned a few things, but there might be some people who want to learn a little bit more about, uh, about Beljansky and about the, the book. So why don't you just say a couple things and... Um, Wonderful. We'll and just, and I have to add for that, you know, we think that it's big pharma. It's not just big pharma. It's actually the government bureaucracies, those, you know, the, the right. bureaucracies that regulate the heck out of our medical system that also keep um, um, botanicals, you know, pharmaceuticals, whatever, out of the system if they work just because that's part of the regulatory nature of the bureaucracy and it's just out of control. But that's a conversation for another day. Right. So um, what we've got here is Cancer's Cause, Cancer's Cure is the title of the book. It is on Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. The author is Morton Walker. You can go to Amazon. You can go to mortonwalker.com to find out more about Cancer's Cause, Cancer's Cure, the book. You can also go to beljansky.org, I believe it is, and you can find out more about Beljansky, and that's spelled B-E-L-J-A-N-S-K-I. Thank you very much. This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Join me next week when I'll be talking to Pastor Robert Richardson about what the Bible has to say about the Big Bang Theory. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Merriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com. <laughs>